Hello and welcome to the Tapping Up podcast with myself, Daryl, and as always, Ian. First of 2023, this? It is. Happy New Year to uh, all of our listeners out there. And uh, I suppose with the new year comes our new segment. It does indeed, yeah. So the uh, the introduction of the, the Bonner segment. Um, so if you listened to last week's, you'll have heard that in honour of Stefan Bonner, uh, we wanted to introduce a, a new segment this year, just essentially going into some of the best and most important and most memorable fights in MMA history. Had to start, of course, with the one that you picked out, and rightfully so, Griffin Bonner won. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of our, we get a lot of feedback that a lot of our, our listeners are more casual fans to MMA than maybe me and you and, and the love levels that we watch. So I kind of look at it, given how much I love it, as a job for me and my responsibility to bring f- the most exciting fights to the masses. So hopefully if we can share some of these fights that are just barnstormers and slugfests with people that they wouldn't normally find out or hear about, if in a tiny way that brings more fans to MMA, we're doing our jobs. Yeah, and... and- as we said, I think that there isn't really a better way to start with this particular segment than with, with Griffin Bonner 1, which um, UFC's come quite a, a long way in a relatively short space of time, hasn't it, really, since this? I mean, it has. It was. I mean, We won't go over what we said before, but it was the ultimate Fighter 1 finale. Um, I'll be honest, it's been a couple of years, if not a little bit longer, since I last watched this fight. It was quite crazy seeing it in the crowd, seeing how long Dana looked if you saw the number of celebrities that were around in the crowd in attendance there as well um, so you had obviously getting to the final was uh, Forrest Griffin who was on Chuck Sladell's team and Stefan Bonner on Randy Couture's team and how the it, it used to work and it still does to, the, to some degree the ultimate fighter was you'd have two professional fighters in the UFC that had their own teams they would take a group of amateur fighters they would fight and then that would culminate in and in this one, it was the week later rather than the card. Chuck Liddell fought Randy Couture for the light heavyweight title. Uh, and that was a great fight. That might be one of the ones that we come on to uh, at a later point. But um, So re-watching it, um, one thing that I thought was quite surprising compared to how it works these days, it, they were literally identical. So they were both the same size, 6'3". This was old UFC, so you didn't even get details on the reach or the statistics, and there was one pound difference in weight. So you're talking literally identical matchups in terms of size. Um, so, I mean, I don't know how much um, we want to go into, but I'd said to you about sort of scoring the rounds. So I've made some notes um, to, to, to go through it. So um, from the opening bell, both of them came out swinging straight away. You could see that, you know, they were coming out and swinging with bad intentions. Forrest Griffin lands a couple of big right hands early. Um, Bonner looks like he's a bit hurt, so clinches. Uh, and you get knees in the clinch from both fighters. Some good body work from, from Griffin. Um, Bonner was looking a bit more cagey and, and trying to stay on the outside. And then out of nowhere with, with a good high head kick, uh, which landed. He then turned his back, which is always a schoolboy error in, in any fight. Never turn your back uh, when he got rocked. But he managed to stay in the game and the fight went to the ground. But somehow Bonner ended up on, on top. But it was a very quick scramble. They got up already. Um, there was some late presser, uh, pressure and, uh, and some punches from, from Bonner in, in late in the round. He seemed to get slightly stronger as the round went on. This time then Griffin managed to successfully take him down with him on the top. 
Bonner then gave up his back with 15 seconds to go. And you're thinking, well, it could be in a bit of trouble here, but the clock was against him. Griffin went for his arm, just got his arm locked in and, and the bell sounded for the end of the round. So, uh, don't know about you, I had it as 10-9 Griffin. Yeah, I had exactly the same. And oh, admittedly, we are going back a few years, but what was quite interesting, all right, he can be slightly hyperbolic at sometimes. Rogan in commentary called it as the best round he'd ever seen. I mean, you would say that, to be fair. I, I, I've heard him say that a fair few times over the years, to be fair, but it it, it was a real back and forth. I mean, I, I, I personally, I thought it was quite clearly Griffin's round, um, but it w- was... It was a good, definitely a good round, and but you could see already both men em- emptying the gas tank. They were both going for it. Every punch was thrown with torque, with everything in it, which takes its toll over the course of a fight. Yeah, and, and obviously that's only the first round. They all looked absolutely shattered. Um, so second round, bit cagey to start with. Looked like they were both a bit wary of the power, both taking a bit of a, a dinging in the first round and then maybe 30, 40 seconds into it, just bang, straight back to swinging again. Um, Griffin went for for a takedown and ended up on top. But during uh, the takedown, uh, Bono had caught him with a nasty punch and uh, Herb Dean, who was the ref, actually stops the fight uh, for the doctor to look at the cut. Such was the amount of blood coming out of Griffin's face. And, I mean, again, talk about a kind of legendary scene. Forrest Griffin's face is caked in blood. It's literally pissing out of this gash on his nose, and he's just smiling. He's not bothered. He looks like he's enjoying it more than anything. And thank God, these days, a doctor could have stopped that. Now, it was on the bridge of his nose. wasn't really in any danger of going into his eyes, because that's often when you'll get a stoppage, the blood goes into the eyes. So ref, um, let it continue. Um, Griffin's caked in blood. Bonner is throwing and, you know, smelt blood quite literally. Um, and comes out swinging. Griffin, can f- obviously feeling the heat, looks to try and tie him up and take him down as he's getting beat up. Uh, he pushes him against the cage. He gets some good clinch and some good dirty boxing in there. But they both look absolutely exhausted by this stage. At this point, there's like a minute left and just the heart and the the, the effort that both guys are expending just uh, to, to stay in the fight is, is incredible. And then at the end, towards the last sort of 30 seconds, minute of a round, it slowed down because you can see they are both absolutely exhausted. Definitely Bonner on top uh, for, for me on that one. 10-9 Bonner. Yeah, again, agreed. Um, I think it ends up going into, obviously, into the, the last round all so square. Third round, uh, and definitely you're thinking to yourself, that, you know, sh- should by any real judging standards be the winner of this round wins the fight. Um, Griffin starts some good lead kicks. Pace again slowed a little bit because that, that gas tank point is definitely very clear for everybody to see that they're both absolutely shattered. Uh, Griffin gets some clinch work in there and gets lands a very good jumping knee and starts to land with his jab more. But Bonner's still in the fight. I think the way that I saw it, Griffin was definitely landing more punches, but Bonner was landing probably the, the heavier shots. Um, two minutes left, and again, they're both both men bang in the middle of the cage, swinging. You can clearly see there's literally nothing left in the tank. Talk about leaving it all inside the cage from both guys. Uh, there's a big shot from, from Bonner, and again, clinches up. 
Griffin, renowned throughout his career for dirty boxing in the clinch, uh, exhibits some 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 good that, and the crowd is going fucking wild at this point. You know, they are having watched probably the other fights and seeing how boring they could have been, completely appreciative of the the epic nature of the fight that they've just seen. Out of nowhere, you get a spinning wheel kick from Bonner. Semi lands blocked by by Griffin. Um, big knee from Griffin, and then the whistle goes. There was talk, this was back in the, the old days uh, of the UFC, before they implemented the unified MMA rules. Um, and what if there was a draw, it was going to go to a three-minute overtime round. And you could quite easily see, to be honest, that that could have been a 10 or a round, which could have triggered that. But my own view, from that last round, I gave it 10-9 Griffin, therefore 29-28 Griffin. Yeah, I give it to Griffin as well. Um, I can see why some people scored it as a draw, though. It was quite a close. It's close. I mean, I, I, I thought he did, as you say, he, he was more efficient with what he did. But um, it, it's funny when watching it, making notes like this to, for, for, for for now and scoring it live to yourself thinking, all right, I, I know, knew the result, obviously, but I couldn't remember the, the you know the scores. Let's see what happens. All three judges scored it the same as us, 29-28. And in that order as well, one here with ten nine Griffin, ten nine Bonner, yep. and ten nine Griffin. The first two rounds were very clear that both, you know, the, 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 I don't think we're under any discussion. The last one, as you say, I, I you could see why it would be a ten all, but equally, I, I can't, I, I don't think you could feel aggrieved if you're Bonner for that one. I, I thought personally, have to say, first time in a few years I've rewatched it, Bonner clearly did the better work for me. We were right, quite agree at the end because he. Um, didn't get his car. I can't believe you didn't watch the, the last bit as well. No, but one of the nice things that came out of that was obviously the whole point of the Ultimate Fighter usually is that the winner gets a contract, a six-figure UFC contract. And this was the first one, but Dana came out and gave them both contracts for the UFC because it was such a big fight. And as you say, it goes down. Dana, the Fatitas, everybody at the UFC all acknowledged that they would not be where they are now if it wasn't for that fight, that was the launch pad for the UFC to be sold for four billion pounds, etc. That made a huge, huge impact in getting casual fans involved and thinking, "Fuck me, this is a sport to watch." Well, Dan, I think, actually joked previously about the fact that if it weren't for this fight, it'd be uh, sweeping up cigarette ends and sleeping rough. I think um, the boxing Rogan- trainer. Did you know that before he was no, involved no, in the UFC? Yeah, he was big. He was a boxing trainer. Did sort of semi-promotion, but you know, boxing trainer and promoter before he got involved with the UFC, which is how he got involved with it. Really, sort of a side hustle to what he was doing. But. Or only a, a wee ban at that point. Um, and now, um, obviously, so that that brings that segment to an end. What I thought to, as you say, I'm going to take the lead if that's okay in these. I thought in terms of picking out the the next fight, next fight I've gone for in terms of the again, you watch, I'll watch, we'll score it again, uh, and the listeners can watch with it, and we'll put some links out on for everybody to watch. Is Justin Gagey versus Michael Johnson, uh, 2017? Sorry. Didn't do my full homework here. Don't know the UFC event number, which is poor. It's not good enough. But um, that's the next one we'll go for. So that's the one for both of us to watch for next week. Have you actually found that? So is it accessible on? Uh, everything's accessible on YouTube. 
I don't know. I don't know. You, uh, gambling there, I think, a little I'll, bit. I'll check, but I'm pretty sure. Um, now, you could argue, just a nice little, again, people love it when we use the word segue. Uh, Dana, this week. So I'm sure most people, if they, they know about MMA, have seen this. So he got into a New Year's Eve altercation, shall we call it, with his missus at the casino, where they're both seen slapping each other. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird video as well, and it's like someone has recorded. I think they're in like a VIP section or something like that. Oh, clearly, oh, obviously, yeah. Worth Silly me. Hundreds of millions of pounds. Of course, it's VIP. So some fucking snitchy bastard in there is uh, recording it, which I don't like anyway. But it's, it's not just that though. It's like they seem to be towering over everyone in this little section, and then she like gives him a, a smack on face, and he smacks her back. But obviously, there's a considerable size difference you there and I think she just goes to floor. never justify hitting a woman in my opinion um, she started it though um, it would be the only point which is is as I say no justification in, at all for Dana to hit her back but usually it, the, the man is often the aggressor in these situations but she gave him uh, a slap Dana gave her quite a slap back to be fair didn't he didn't, not a punch you know a slap but it looked like it did far more, if we're talking UFC style, far more ring damage to her than uh, it did as did to him. Has he made any comment on this? He's made a little bit, but what, I tell you what, he is in a fucking difficult position because of his own comments before. Now, Dana has, there have been multiple, and we're talking tens if not 20 incidents, where Dana has had to come out, release or fire fighters that have been in domestic abuse situations. And these are often ones that are not on video. These are allegations that are, you know, before they've been proven in a court of law. He's been on video doing it. So I'll be honest with you, how he maintains his prominent place in the UFC and the public eye on the back of this one and the back of the own comments he's made and his actions about it before is going to be... Very, very difficult. I think I think, it, yeah. I, t- I think he will have it. I'll be honest here. This needs, and this is what I think, if, I, if I'm a PR person, this is what I'm thinking. He needs his wife to do something. So he's need, he needs his wife to try to come out and say, it's completely my fault. I completely wound him up. It was nothing else. I've been at him all. Something to try and, Again, you can never justify put your hands, but make it not so egregious as it seems. That wouldn't work, would it? Because if she comes out and says, "Oh yeah, by the way, it was all entirely my fault," and I, you know, it wasn't his fault in the slightest. He was just reacting to me lashing out first. Then the obvious public reaction is going to be, "Well, he's told her to say that. He's clearly written that for us." So I don't think there's a way to win here. I, I don't just disagree. Just don't do it in the first place. Would be um, yeah, don't it. hit women is, yeah. is, is, is the ultimate point. But um, one thing I did see just as a, a little bit as a, an indicator is uh, Endeavour, which is obviously the organisation that owns the UFC, shares have dropped 6% since this happened on the back of that. Why are you looking into shares? What? I read it. <laughs> I was going to say, that, that makes more sense. It was on an MMA article I read about Dana. I can't say I looked into that. I like but... how you paused there just to decide, am I going to continue to pretend? Do I try and gimp it out yeah. or do I I'll just be honest, which is, yeah, I just read it in, on MMA fighting, it said. Um, but, uh, that, so that shows the impact. I mean, that that is millions of dollars in terms of, I don't, no idea what the, the capitalization would be of Endeavour, but that 6% drop 
is a lot in terms of their pockets. And that's the question is, can they stomach more and more hits if Dana stays in, stays involved and in charge? Yeah, would be the answer. It, it always happens. There's always some sort of scandal from the higher-ups, not just in UFC, just in general these days. That I don't think you can get away with a company that isn't embroiled in some sort of issue and then eventually it blows over because the public opinion changes so rapidly these days because there's always another story to jump onto. Next thing you know, everyone will be talking about Meghan and Harry. But I was just going to so. say, isn't that more to me the con- the way the world is now and the constant, what I would call, news cycle, that if you are caught in the world, the shitstorm, prime example, your friend Andrew Tate. Um, it's not my friend. <laughs> in In a world of shit, it seems, at the moment. And clearly, now, we don't know the ins and outs, um, he clearly plays a, a character that is this kind of toxic masculinity and a complete dick. I have seen some videos where I'm just going to throw it out there. He talks a lot of fucking sense as well. But clearly people have gone for him here. Like Romania suddenly getting involved. Is, is there pressure from some other countries? To, I saw they're taking his cars. You know, so there's there's certainly more than meets the eye, I would say, well, to that What's to do one. with the sex trafficking scandal, isn't it? In terms so, of that, it's yeah. his arrest, absolutely. But you, you, you're telling me somewhere, some, because of how he is and the public figure and that everybody hates him, there's not this sort of willingness or desire, maybe a better word, for him to get caught for something and charged and done over. And I would, I again, I, I don't know the facts, so I, I, this is just my view, but that is definitely one that there'll be something in the background there trying to get him fucked over because of the the crazy talk that he does say and the person that he is. Maybe. I think it's probably more to do with the fact that if you do something that's criminal and you make yourself such a, a prevalent figure for good reasons or bad, a little bit like Kanye West has been doing recently, I'm sure if he committed something other than... The bigger you are, the harder you fall. Exactly. It's, it's pretty easy then for that person to be recognised and to be apprehended, should we I mean, say. What was he so. even doing in Romania? Seems to be for, for a, a dick, millionaire playboy or whatever it is. It seems to be a fucking strange place Picking to be hanging. Picking fights with little girls on Twitter, wasn't it? So, just a strange, strange man. I saw that weird, weird stat for you on this, only because I'd read a story, as a side note to his arrest and things. She's the first woman ever... Uh, Greta, that is, to have two tweets of over three million, is it either retweets or likes or something? And they were yeah. both basically fucking digs at him. There's loads, really weird tweets are on that list. And I ended up looking at that when that exact article came out. And there's ones like, I think Joe Biden tweeting that he's the next president is up there. Barack Obama tweeting that he's president is up there. The majority are, is it BTS? The... Is it Korean pop band? I'm pretty sure. I know who you mean, but, but yeah, they're, they're, they're massive. So, like, I think five of their tweets are in the top ten of all time. And then so, some weird little twelve-year-old stupid fucking climate change fighter. Like, go back to school, get finished school, and then why don't you worry about the world's problems? Again, just to cl- I'm not commenting on this at all. I haven't said anything negative, so I'm not being arrested for any comments or anything like that. Um, Bell or Rising? Good little event. It was New Year's Eve, wasn't it? Yeah. So um, I'd said to you we'd had a quick look at uh, the, the, the fights. I'd said to you there was, I think I picked out three, didn't I, to you? It's like 
they're good odds. They were overwhelming favourites, but that was a good treble. They all came in. Bellator actually went 5-0 and oh Did against you put the anything? Rising. No, I didn't put uh, it <laughs> uh, Standard, right? Money not where um, your mouth is. So, um, but the, the, the major point I had here that I wanted to say, so uh, AJ McKee, who uh, is undoubtedly Bellator's star attraction, and I don't say these words lightly, but might be, might be the second most talented or fighter with the most potential I've ever seen after John Jones. He has freakish physical skills and reach. He's a lot lower weights, but he is, his dad was a fighter. Dad, and was How old is he? 24, I think. Uh, his dad was called Antonio McKee, was uh, a professional fighter in the UFC and other. He is just, so he's been born into that, but he has super serious submission skills. He's now putting together his 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 kickboxing and his striking. And as I say, he is freakishly talented and he's getting paid a shitload of money at Bellator because they do pay well. But the UFC really want to start cleaning up and getting the better fighters over. They need to go after McKee and line him up for some bantamweight fights. Question for you then, um, because it's weird the way that different promotions work in... MMA because it's not like you know your football you're not going to get promoted from League One to the Championship to Premier League and in that sense whereas the UFC is technically the Premier League it doesn't necessarily happen that all the best talents go there so if he is such a highly revered talent at this point in time and he looks like such a good prospect why is it that the UFC aren't going after him at this point so, in time? Well one you've got the uh, length of contract however yep. he's tied in for to what you get, and this is the only with the UFC, and this is everybody's beef with the UFC, is not only are they not great payers unless you're on a pay-per-view star and on you know the big fights, but you also have to consider the sponsorship angle. So they do not allow you to wear outside sponsors. You only have to wear Venom fight gear, um, things like that. Bellator, they will allow you to have your own fucking shorts and you can have as many sponsors on you want on your back if you want to have a tattoo or a fake henna tattoo or whatever across your back of crypto.com they allow that and that for the majority of these fighters and that's another thing that's it's not fair when people say the ufc are not uh, the crap players no they still pay way more money than bellator but someone like aj mckee will make more money from his sponsors because he's allowed to do that than from bellator themselves so that is a factor they have to often consider is, well, if I'm getting paid more over here and making that money and smashing people with my undefeated record, um, then why would I? But he strikes me as the type of person, everybody wants to be in the UFC, no matter what they say. If they are a true champion and competitor, they want to test themselves against the best and the best are not in Ryzen and the best are not in Bellator. So I have no doubt at some point, and of course, the bigger they become, that's when the UFC will say, OK, we'll stump up 200 to show and 200 win bonus or, you know, whatever they need to sign them. So, so are the wages bigger out of the UFC or is it just to do with the sponsorships then? So the wages will be smaller, but the sponsorships will be considerably bigger. Okay. And then you get so like the IPL, for example, they pay quite small amounts of money, but in the, the winner of the tournament gets a million dollars 
So, of course, if you win that million dollars, boom, jackpot, baby. So you've got to factor, again, it's unfair when people say that the UFC are bad payers. You have to look at everything. But it's the sponsorship angle that the UFC are, because they are the big dogs and everyone wants to be there, they don't get paid very much. I don't know what, I can't be, I've got to be honest, I don't know what the current deal is with Venom, but for Reebok, who were the sponsors before, it was a sliding scale of how many fights you had and your status. But even the champs, the champions, got 40 grand a fight for wearing Reebok. Which might sound a lot of money to you and me, but um, a lot worse fighters have disclosed that they were earning before that quarter of a million pounds a fight in sponsorship. So that's where that issue is. But the, the only other point that shows to me AJ McKee is making a shitload of money is, I don't know if you saw him in, in his, his walkout at the Rising event, he came out in this gangster samurai suit and he came out this week, a hundred grand it cost. So if he can afford a hundred grand outfit to walk out in, he clearly is doing pretty well. Do you think that they pay less or more than Bellator in the PFL? So, sorry, the PFL was what I meant when I said the IPF, because that's what it used to be. Um, so that's the one where they will pay less, but you get the tournament uh, format and the million dollar. Can you can you see where I'm going here? It's quite a, Is a this, clever Is uh, this fucking Jake Paul? <laughs> wow, yeah. well, what a shock. You got that spot, and I literally didn't expect to get that. Um, no, but obviously, the biggest news of the UFC uh, of the week is that Jake Paul has signed for the PFL, so he's been given the title the Head of Fighter Advocacy. Um, essentially, it's... Well, not a fighter. But, so you're, you're going to talk is, for fighters. It's that. He's basically signed a fight deal, but he's also basically going to use his massive following on social media to promote the fights. But... The interesting part is that he will compete in what he calls a new division, um, which is Super Fight. So Super Fight takes place on pay-per-view only. Okay. Um, and the idea behind Super Fights is it will include fighters who will instantly draw revenue rather than have competitors who are looking to win championships in weight classes. So would this perhaps be someone like Nathan Diaz? Correct. So one of the names potentially, because he's called him out for the million time, would be Nate Diaz. And he has said, so Paul has come out and said that he wants to fight him twice this year on a two-fight deal, one in the boxing ring and then one in the super fight division class in MMA uh, about four or six months later. Um, Funniest bit is obviously he came out and said, I'd beat up Nate Diaz in an MMA fight. There's nothing he could do to me. I've always felt like I've jumped in the deep end, even in boxing. Is he fucking joking now? He's managed to get away by these carefully selected opponents. And to be fair to him, duck to water like might be too strong. But he's got to a stage where he's got an impressive boxing skills. He's a, he's a young bloke. He's clearly training very hard. <clears throat> I hate to say it because, because there is a big side difference between the two. If it was a boxing match given that Nate is more of a, a voluminous puncher rather than a power puncher, uh, but he's too tough for his own good, I think he would lose that. Jake Paul would beat Nate. I would bank my fucking mortgage that Jake, uh, that he gets Jake Paul gets submitted within a round against Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is going to take him down. In a, you think he's going to stand there after he's lost potentially a boxing match and let him do it again? One, you've got kicks. Jake Paul's never been in a fight with kicks. 
Diaz has okay kicks. Two, Diaz is one of the most elite black belts under Caesar Gracie. He is going to choke him out within minutes, like a knife through butter. Do you think he would approach it with... Because I know you're a fair fan of, of Diaz, but do you think he would approach it with the integrity of, I don't care how much he's paying me, I'm not ducking this fight in the MMA sense, and I'm going to try and tap him out as quickly as I possibly yeah, can? Yeah, I think... No, in saying that, no, I'm not so sure. I think he would, I think I'm going to make him fucking suffer. Because from Stockton, famously, in, in California, him and his brother, and I don't think he's that nice... I think he's like, I'm going to beat you up, I'm going to wear you down, I'm going to put you in uncomfortable positions and fuck you up for 15 minutes. Yeah, and then take your money at the end of it. I don't, because yeah. I, I, I think he would, you know, say, say, you could just say, right, I'm just going to run through him and tap him straight away. I think he'd want to punish him and teach him a lesson. So I, I'll be honest, that's exactly what I want to see. I mean, that would also be you saying that you want to see a Jake Paul fight, so... I want to see a Jake Paul Nate Diaz MMA fight. Uh, uh, do you know what? But you would have to see the boxing match I first. I might pay for that on pay per view. Is 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 how strongly I would love to see. As you say, he's got an okay. He's done well. He's impressed me. If I'm completely honest with boxing, let's be completely clear. This bullshit stops now. The moment he steps into a cage, I would piss myself laughing if he is like some sort of hidden elite. MMA fighter and he just be under no illusions he's been training if he's saying this now again he's not a stupid man he will be training and he'll be training wrestling and he'll probably be training jiu-jitsu in preparation he's not fucking stupid so I have no doubt he's he's probably better and training far harder than people give him credit for but stepping in a ring with Nate Diaz for your first MMA fight is a whole different fucking world unless he wins and then all of a sudden Dana White goes up no, to says, you know I, what? That, there's no conceivable multiverse that that happens in MMA in his first fight. Like, it's I, already we, beaten Anderson Silva. That surprised me, and I had to eat my own words. I am telling you now, not a chance in an MMA, MMA match with, with Nate. Okay, well, good point there to move on. So we'll uh, move on to the, the football segment. Um Premier League results were a little bit strange in the past week. Yeah, it staggered over a few days. So there was a, 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 a few games. It's a World Cup hangover, isn't it, I think? That's why. Um, I mean, don't really want to start with us, but... Please do. What a fucking shambles Liverpool were. Gee, it was painful to watch. So we conceded four goals in the first half and got lucky that two were disallowed. Just after, I think, we've got away with it in that we've conceded it was only 1-0 we think we've had the second one disallowed they then go and score and it's 2-0 and you think to yourself fucking hell here we go Jürgen clearly got into the boys at half time come out and you're like this is exactly what I want to see want to see pull one back very quickly right game on here we go momentum was fully in our favour you could see us you know looking then going on and equalising and um, you know hopefully winning the match but Credit where credit's due. Brentford rode out that patch, managed to survive, and of course, then hit us with a sucker punch at the end. And um, I mean, the two takeaways, probably from me, so that we don't end up going on about Liverpool, was in that first half, every corner they had was like a penalty. That's how woeful we were defending and how dangerous they looked. And fuck knows what the score would have been if Ivan Tony had been playing, given he's been involved in 40% of their goals 
this season. I think he would have bet that he would have scored <laughs> quite a few, few goals there. We got we could have been spanked if Tony was playing, given uh, that. But woeful, absolutely. I mean, Virgil's now injured, which I, I still I didn't really believe that much when he was taken off. I thought he was just having a bit of a clang when he's yeah been trying to save his blushes. Canate looked like an absolute buffoon for the last goal. Like, what are you doing? Have some strength for a six foot four centre back. Yeah, we're struggling. Uh, to be fair, Gakpo I, uh, not even on the bench. Uh, uh, fucking Gakpo. But to be fair, I think rather than looking at how woeful Liverpool were, and you were, you were dog shit. It was quite enjoyable to watch, to be honest. Because I'll message you all the way through it. Um, Brentford are having an outstanding season. Very, on budget, very impressed by him. And Thomas Frank is doing, you know, it pays with sakes. He looks like Green Goblin, and I've not liked him since the issues that we had in the Championship against Brentford. But he's having an outstanding season with them. And they've beaten what City, yourself, should have beaten Spurs. Scum 4 1. Yeah. Um, it, it looks, was that this season? Yeah, right at the start of the season, right? Like second game. Jesus Christ. We watched that in Pony, didn't we? I think it's the second game of the season. Oh my god! Um, yeah, this. I think it said something like there was only by. one team in the top six they hadn't beaten or Arsenal beat them. Like Arsenal beat them. Arsenal right. beat them. But um, look outstanding. I'd be um, interested to see if someone comes in for Thomas Frank. Obviously, you've got to keep it up over. Signed the season. a new contract though, didn't he? New Year's Eve. Yeah, but contracts mean nothing in football these days. So the... I'm, I'm, I'm surprised someone hasn't already. But I mean, we were talking. It depends on a slight, how long it goes on. On a slight side note, one thing you've also got your take hat off to is their scouting team. Some, the players that they found and, and, and got a moulded and, and that have adapted straight into the into the Premier League. I mean, them and Brighton have the two best scouting teams in the whole league for me. Well, they've just signed. Um, is it Kevin Sheard uh, on loan? So he's the German youngster. Yes, so it's on loan. Is it Freiburg? I think it was um, initial loan, and then they'll end up paying a club record fee for him. Quite clearly for me that that's anticipation of a big band for. Tony, or at least a few games banned, because I think he's going to go straight into the team, you would expect. I hadn't thought of it that way. I, I was thinking more, would it be that they're going to, you know, expecting a bid and Tony to be sold, but you're right, the ban's going to come first, and it, maybe it's a ban, and then they might make their money on Tony as well, because um, he's been bagging form this season. Yeah, but do you want to buy a, a player who's banned? I think maybe in, in depends summer, how long, summer maybe. It? Yeah, I mean, it depends we'll how see, long. But, um, Brighton, so Brighton had a, a, another Easy result, easy night by the looks of it. Everton, banging trouble. Was it f- th- three, three goals, goals in, in like, five minutes yeah. or something? Like, absolutely blew him away. Um, Trossard wasn't even playing. I, think no. he's out, I don't know if he's that injured or if he was... But um, they seem to have found another one in this young kid. Is it um, something Evans? It is... Young uh, Irish, 18-year-old whoa, Irish chap. But it seems to have been... Evan Ferguson? Evan Ferguson. Mitoma again scoring. I told you, I, I, I think he is a fantastic player. But Deserbi, we spoke about him a number of episodes ago when he was first appointed, and I think he's doing a fantastic job. Obviously, long way to go. Yeah, man for man. I mean, Calcedo, one yeah. of the best midfielders in the league. Trossard on his day is fantastic. Dunk is a defender's defender. McAllister, you know? McAllister, they've got to come back. If you you're know. talking about scouting networks, you, like you say about Brentford, it's definitely Brentford or Brighton. Or up there. Both of them. They have the two best scouting networks for me in the league. The only thing I think where Brighton, and now maybe they've adjusted that with, with Evan Ferguson, is up front. If you are relying on... Danny Welbeck. Danny Welbeck for your goals, <laughs> then you're going to struggle. That would be the one area you would, you would pinpoint straight away and say, look, that could definitely be improved. But... If Evan Ferguson comes in and, and carries on and improves and 
keeps banging him in. Very, very decent team, man to man. Fulham, another one of a bit of a surprise package this season. They didn't particularly start the season right well, but they beat um, Leicester 1-0, so they're up to 7th now. Equal on points with you. I had seen that. Game in hand you have, though, of I mean, course, Mitrovic but... finally turning it on in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, William has been a little bit of a class Which is signing. strange. Have you noticed that Dan James isn't playing for him? That's a shock, isn't it? Goes on loan and then he's basically... Because he's dog shit, as I've always <laughs> said to you. And you, oh, we don't I want like to lose him. Don't, I tell him, let him go. I, don't, oh. I think he's no end product. He's just a speed merchant. I don't well, think that was any loss for you. You lost him and you got Willie Nonto. Who say, do you take now? It's a good game to move on to. So, obviously, um, Nonto gets his first goal for us. He looks outstanding as a prospect. Uh, the youngest goal scorer for us ever, I think, now, uh, since James Milner. I think that was the last one. Um, and I think he's like the fourth youngest Italian to score in the Premier League. Song. But he does look very good. Um, so obviously I had a bit, bit of a scrap that game though. A little bit of uh, skin in the game in that one. In that my old man is a, uh, a West Ham fan and one of my best mates, Wilf, back home. And um, on the on the boys group, goes 1-0 to you. Wilf's like, fucking hell, we're going down. We're fucking this. Suddenly it gets turned around, doesn't it? I was like, you might be doing all right. Seems a bit better there. And then obviously it went back to two all. So they just—they don't look good. West Ham—they look an absolute shadow of the the former selves. So the team that obviously Moyes were taking into Europe, I don't quite understand. He was overachieving. Like I've never been a Moyes fan. I felt like he suddenly how he transformed this team. He was punching above his weight. There's a difference though between overachieving. <laughs> Again, I don't disagree in terms of getting to Europe. I don't think they should be battling relegation. They're at the, just one of these. Yeah, like a make up 12, a yeah, 13 exactly. midland team, aren't they? Um, but they look bang in trouble. And I think if Leeds had a one, obviously it happens very rarely these days, but then I think they would be in trouble. Well, I did say to you, didn't it? I think it was it the day of the game or the day before it was announced, sadly, that David Gold had died. Yeah. And I did say to you that from a Leeds point of view, that could be bad and that could have a, a galvanising effect on West Ham. You know, wanting to go out there for the chairman, uh, it seemed to have in some ways. You know, they from from again from what my dad and uh, Wilf tell me, that was actually one of the better games. Even though if you're saying that they were dog shit, Wilf was saying I, that I thought they were awful. Games Genuinely, they... I thought Leeds were all over them in the first half. They had clean cut penalty. There's absolutely no dispute in it. A stupid tackle to make right at the very end of the half, which is the worst possible time. They then come out. Aronson gives ball away. Samaka scores from about 30 yards out well taken finish but again it's just a calamity of errors and then they look like they're going to go on and win it but then we score and then it fade off again and we had some big chances and, and Fabianski makes an unbelievable save at the end but it just looks like two struggling teams and that's what it is and that's what it was to watch for one that it takes me no pleasure in the remotest to say and again sneaking under the radar here a little bit is, is Man U silently seem to be just they look good along I'll be honest they? Rashford suddenly found a, a vein of form that he hasn't yeah. had for a few years uh, now they've ditched Ronaldo and got that piece of shit out of the dressing room everybody looks a what bit a happier what a shock it, almost as if we've been saying this for quite a, a long time it, it's clear that he was symptomatic of the results him sat in on the bench and stropping about everything that were happening and Ten Hag's a very good manager they've got a very good team um, the tackle on Van der Beek, I don't know if you saw that, horrendous. I don't know what actually... I mean, look, I mean, I'd, love, like. I'd love to see if there was... A, a, if, if you could chart this, but like Bruno Fernandes was literally probably the best midfielder in the league for like Ooh. 18 months. Ooh. Man, Ronaldo came and his form dropped like to, to absolutely garbage. Suddenly went from scoring like 35 goals in that 18 months or something like that to hardly any. 
that seems to have picked back up again. He seems to be a player of responsibility. Yeah, got an assist um, so they are. They look. If I were them, I would be quite s- smug and silently kind of thinking to myself, top four, we should be able to get here. I, I think so. I think as it stands at the moment, you'd be back in City, Arsenal, Man U, and then one other. And I, I don't know at the moment who it's going to be. I don't know if Spurs are going to do it. I don't know if Someone Newcastle to go are going to creep in. I mean, in. Newcastle, unless they have a big drop-off, you argue at the moment would possibly be the favourites for that extra. I put on, on Twitter, I don't know if you saw this, but essentially Newcastle against us, we rode our luck, obviously previously, um, got a nil-nil draw out of it. And everyone was saying how it shows how far Newcastle have come since last year and how poor Leeds are essentially these days to, to scrape that. They do exactly the same, and I mean exactly the same against Arsenal. We're all Arsenal. Not really many chances for Newcastle other than the Joe Linton header, which he definitely should have scored. And then the time wasting. I've never seen a substitute stop a throwing, but you know, each their own. And then next thing, the press is, well, this shows that they can compete with the big boys. I'm like, what? What is the hypocrisy of football these days? It's absolutely nonsense. But I, I think for any, if anything, that shows that they're not quite ready for that top four. I think they'll probably make top six, and I think they do deserve Europe as they've been going, obviously, other than if they have a big fall-off. But I'm, I'm not certain that they're quite ready yet. And I suppose final game of the game week was last night, was it uh, Chelsea City? What, two others. I forgot oh. about yeah, Spurs. Spurs and Palace. So Kane and other, Yeah, because they needed a result, really, because they were getting hammered in the press. And then you forgot... Oh, in fact, you've got two... Two games there, so you've got about... Forest beating Southampton. Forest beating Southampton. And if I'm not mistaken, with our little side bet, are now Forest not equal on points with you? But they still blow us, so it doesn't matter, does it? And they've got a considerably worse uh, goal difference, I think. And then you've got Villa-Wolverhampton, the game that everybody wanted to see. one all, Boring. If Danny Um, Ings scores in a game in 2023, it's it's not worth watching. But then, yeah, as you say, Chelsea and Man City disappointing game if I'm honest given that you know City as well I mean again I'll be honest as the neutral in that um, my granddad was a Chelsea fan I've always had a soft spot for Chelsea they're always one of those teams I don't mind them when they were doing well winning the league because of my granddad but um, I wanted Man City to win because I cannot stand these Arsenal fans at the moment and we're going to win so I was just banking on City winning to cut that gap and to keep them in the race because we're only six. We've got to remember. We're only sixteen games into the season. We're not even halfway yet. So any Arsenal fans saying it's done and dusted, you know, are definitely getting carried away. But to be fair to them, they're doing far better than above our expectations. And each game that goes by, more points in the bank. They're a little bit closer and further along. But I'll be honest. I was rooting for City last night, so I was pleased when they got the goal. Well, the um, City game against Arsenal is next month, isn't it? So that will be. Where a, is that at? It's at. Um... Oh God! Is it called the Emirates? I always forget. Confuse oh, it with hybrid. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's at Arsenal. Um, yeah, so that's the big chance. And if they win that, you're then looking at. Hang on a minute. They actually yeah. might go. On. Obviously, yeah. a long way yet. And I think there's like four or five games in between that, so they could have fallen so off. So it's only there. just over halfway through the season, to be fair, if that happens. And that still key. Still presumably key. might mean if they haven't played yet, right near the end of the season is the reverse fixture at City. So that could be crucial. I thought they already had played. Are they? Um, Oh God! You put me on the spot there because I thought everyone had played once so already. Sixteen games, so can't. Oh no, maybe not. So yeah, not maybe you're right. Tenth, so, but that would that would that would mean it would be right at the end of the season, 
that's a fuck it that could be a title decider type sort of game couldn't it it'd be interesting to see what, where they both are at that point as well because as I say I think if Arsenal are going to fall off they're going to do it in the next few games if they're not then they're probably going to win it um, just out of curiosity just because I've, I've got noted down here because a lot of stories about changing in managers and stuff and the sack race as it is at the moment three big potential sackings so you've got Frankie Lampard what Dog a shit manager yeah. Obviously, not Everton's biggest fans anyway. It was always a foolish appointment for me. And I think he'll take him down if he stays in charge. I agree. And I wouldn't mind that. Uh, but also... Would I. In fact, I'd love that. <laughs> It'd be a big team in championship. It'd be quite enjoyable to watch Everton. No Merseyside derby that we all usually get three points at. I'm going to say I literally couldn't care less anymore. The Merseyside derbies the, in the past few years have been boring. Just been riding out a result. Um, Nathan Jones, Southampton. Probably one of the worst starts and worst appointments I've ever seen in the Premier League. I don't even know what they were thinking. Like, again, I don't, you know, this is a guy's job, his livelihood, don't want to dig him out too much, but everything seemed to work for him at Luton, which seemed to be doing very well. Went to Stoke, absolutely dog shit. So the writing was on the wall, went back to Luton, did really well again. Then, I know, he's done really shit at Stoke. Let's take him to Southampton. So that is the least surprising one to me. We talked about it when it happened. Like, what? That's a fucking weird move. And that's one destined for disaster. I'd be surprised if he lasts another five games. If you're talking about the sack race, I think he's next because I think they'll lose the next five. You think? I think. I don't know who they've got. You think he'd last that long? Is it going to last nine games? I don't know. Nine losses in a row? I don't don't, don't know who they've got next in their five fixes if anyone's winnable. But if you're losing at home to Forest then you're struggling but I think he's got if I had to put money on the next manager to go it would be him I think... and he'll probably end up fuck off back to Luton again <laughs> you sound like you've got a vendetta against him it was just such a shit appointment I was just like what are you, the owners of the club what are you thinking about you can't tell me there was not a better manager available than that Frank DeBoer I'm going to go get him who actually ironically would have been I think he's the only other Worse appointment. Did he last four games before he Do you got know what? Sacked? I'd have much rather take him on his previous <laughs> record than fucking Nathan Jones any day of the fucking week. I mean, um, didn't have a shot on target. Southampton at home against a relegation rival. Um, Disgusting. Forest, who haven't won a single point on the road prior to. They were booed off, weren't they? Yeah, and there were chance of you getting you sacked know, in the morning. You don't know, you don't know what, what you're doing, doing and, and all that sort of Quite stuff. Quite rightly so, from the sound of that. Did you know, here's a fact for you, Jones is the second manager to lose each of his first four Premier League games in charge of Southampton after, can you name the last manager that did it? We're in 2013. Putting me on the spot now. Quite a um, famous, you'd recognise him, I think he's in lower leagues at the moment. Wears glasses. No, nah, go on. Nigel Adkins. Um, Fucking hell. They finished 14th that year, which so is obviously a good they did all right under him, Adkins. But they it? didn't, because he got sacked. And that's the year that Poch arrived in January. So a good omen would be to sack him in mid-January. And get Poch back. And be, and get Poch back. I'm sure he'd be very glad to do that. The last person that I want to point out, because I think he's under immense pressure at the moment, is Graham Potter. I think he is because of the results. But I think... I mean, the, the owner's not helped a new owner. You know, probably a bit trigger-happy because he wants an immediate return on his investment. But... I think he's the type of manager you need to give him time for his ethos, his the way he plays to seep through. I mean, the embarrassing thing for me for Chelsea last night was their subs. 
and they brought on these young kids that you think, how the fuck is Hutchinson going to win you the game when you're one nil down? Man City brought like £160 million Grealish worth of talent Maris, on, on who off, score off, off, off the bench. And they're bringing on like these young kids. And for, for all the money that that Bowley's paid, I mean, if I was Abramovich, I'd be sat there thinking, I fucking pulled your American pants down. But I, the issue is, I think... Potter is a very good manager, as you say, but he's gone to a team where it's like going to an Arsenal. You go to a team where the fans expect so much more than what is actually presented to them, and they're not realistic at all. Um, but look, using that example, uh, look, Arteta didn't tear it up for what and the one Arsenal or two fans seasons? destroyed him for it. They were trying to get rid of him. Now he's the greatest exactly. thing in sliced bread. But it's it funny took, how it works. It took time, and I think that's the thing. Again, anyone in football knows this. You have to give someone at that level in those clubs time to if they've come in with a completely different ethos to Tuchel and way the play and and to get that across to the players, they have to be given time. Or what's the point? Yeah, agree. Um, but if they want to sack Potter and if he fancies a job in West Yorkshire, then, you know, I tell you what, we'll accept him. We'll let Jesse Marsh go get the American job because have you seen all that nonsense that's going on at the I moment? I did with see them? all that shit, like wives getting involved. Well, Someone was kicked 13 well, years nonsense. ago. So I read a little bit and I literally, you know, when you're like, this is too much childish nonsense for me to read, so I'm going to stop reading. Well, it was Rainer's mum. So. Is it George, George Rain, Giorgio Rainer? I think he plays for Dortmund. Dortmund, he does. Um, Behalter, is it the coach? Yeah, of... so it was basically, his. he didn't get played very much in the World Cup and he apparently felt aggrieved, as did his mum. So his mum then reported to the press about this kicking that happened years ago. It might be one of those pathetic Stay things. Stay out of it, mum. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? You'd be like, Leave your son, start your son's football and career. Um, but... Yeah, nonsense. But as I say, if he wants to go take the uh, American job, does uh, Jesse Marsh and we get Potter and I'll accept That would it. be a good signing for you, I tell you. It's never going to happen, that's why. Um, a little bit of a, a curious case I've got for you. So this is the story that I've, I've been teasing Ian. Benjamin Button? Yeah, I've been, <laughs> I've been teasing Ian all day about, about this story, very specifically. Um, and it's about Kira Hamrawi and Aminata Diallo. So these are two female football players. This is a story that's been ongoing for sort of the past year and has again come to prevalence because I think there was a, a Twitter post or a Twitter um, timeline where someone went into all the ins and outs of it. Genuinely, might be one of the most ridiculous and craziest things that I've seen in football for a long period of time. And it's, it's like one of those things that you're going to see made into a Netflix show. So Hamraoui signs for PSG from Barcelona, who were the, the Champions League winners at the time in 2021 in summer uh, reunited with Diallo who really good friends with goes on holiday to Dubai with um, when think... you say reunited she's at PSG as well yes so both at PSG at this point in time so this is obviously summer 2021 <coughs> things turn really sour after quite randomly this Hamraoui gets attacked by two masked men with clubs and try to break her legs to, to stop her from playing football and she says uh, to the police, they're clearly targeting my legs and they're saying stuff like, I've been messing with people's husbands, etc, etc. Um, Diallo gets accused of orchestrating the incident. So essentially, because this Hamraoui had signed from Barcelona, she had become PSG's first choice centre midfielder and taken this Diallo's spot. 
and Diallo had apparently, according to the police, had a, a deep jealousy of her, and she'd texted friends saying that she'd wished pain upon all her teammates and all this, so she'd apparently started this attack. So they'd gone out for a, a meal with a few other teammates. Um, other members of, of the playing staff got random phone calls from an unknown number saying, stay away from this meal, Hamrawi is a, you know, this, that and the other. Diallo offers her a lift home, and then this is when it all happens. So the car gets stopped. These masked men drag her out and start trying to smash her in. When she's out injured, this Diallo gets back in team. She starts putting in star performances. And everyone's saying, oh, she's fantastic. We're, you know, and we're glad that she's playing. And it's sad what happened to Hamrawi, but it, it turns out all for the best in that sense. Diallo then gets arrested on charges of serious bodily harm and aggravated violence. Four men arrested who are all uh, part of this orchestration, and they say that Diallo has instigated the assault. So it's all getting very weird. It gets even weirder when it turns out that the SIM card in this Hamrawi's phone is registered to Eric Abidal, as in the Eric Abidal, who is the sporting director at Barcelona. Barcelona. He then admits to having an affair with her, Hamrawi, having met her while she was playing for the uh, Barcelona women's team. And then Abidal's wife files for divorce. So while that's all going on, detectives then reportedly decide that this has all been orchestrated by Diallo, but not by Diallo herself, by Diallo's secondary personality, because she's got split personality disorder, called Bileli. So (laughs) Bileli has been calling people and there's, they've got call recordings where she's put on a deeper voice and she's pretended to be this bloke but not just pretend to be bloke obviously it's part of her inner psyche and she's been charged and is currently on bail and while she's been on bail she's actually um, been released from PSG and is now signed for Levante which has caused loads of issues but they still don't know what the conclusion of this is going to be and it's genuine I was reading it last night and I read some bits and pieces before and I'm like Someone's made this up. Just random snippets about Abidal having an affair. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? I've got two questions spring to mind out of this. On. One, how much fucking time on, do you have on your hands to read this nonsense? <laughs> two, why on earth did you think this platform in terms of our podcast would be a good place to tell this absolute drivel and nonsense? It is genuinely one of the most interesting things that I've written. The only is. bit that makes me laugh out of all of that, like, otherwise it just sounds like nonsense, is the split personality. Now that sounds That's quite funny. funny. Like some bird ringing up, just like <laughs> one minute she's there and a, hello, like a deep voice. Now that sounds quite funny and amusing, but it it's took just, a while to get there and I was struggling to not nod off, I've got to be honest. It's more the idea that... Listeners, if you've got the benefit of hindsight, <laughs> skip... Hopefully by this point, the last time. to skip after oh, we've already shit, listened to it, yeah. moron. Maybe but, before, when we post it, by this, this this segment, just skip it. Can you imagine going on a night out and like you think, oh, she's really, really attractive young girl. That'll go talk to her. And you're talking to her and she's like, oh, do you want to come back to mine? You get back to her, to hers and she's like, yeah, my name's Bruce. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what the fuck is going on? But yeah, I just thought I thought it was brilliant. Literally one of the most ridiculous stories I've ever read. It's quite a story, and it, it sounded like a lot to read. To be honest with you, I, I don't know. I think my patience and my focus would have drifted off. I say I started to read that's about the rainers. I was like, this is nonsense, not worthy of my time. Done. Wagatha Christie, eat your heart out. Jesus Christ! If you start telling <laughs> stories about that, we're done. I'm going to start watching the full series and reporting it. Um, 
little bit about boxing this week. There's not really that much. Uh-huh. I've got one little bit of football for you before we go, just I thought it was an interesting uh, stats uh, I can quickly run through. So I've got for you here, given give the end of the calendar year, this is the top 20 players with the most goal contributions okay. in 2022. I won't make you guess because that would be incredibly boring for the listeners. 20, Hominson, 28. 20 goals, 8 assists. Ran... You're going to run through 20 different ones? I'll just do 10 if you yeah, want. Yeah, just skip, skip forward a little bit. You can't. Actually, more, I've just actually, told a fantastic story, and then you're going to add some stats at the end of it. Which... There was actually 25, so I already cut off five because of the story. Right, so number 10, Mo Salah with 37, 25 goals, 12 assists. Number 9, Benzema, 40, 31 goals, 9 assists. Messi at number 8 with uh, 41, 17 goals, 24 assists. Harry Kane at 7 with 42, 30 goals, 12 assists. It's a crazy one for how high he is. Kevin De Bruyne at 6, 43, 16 goals, 27 assists. Because he's brilliant. Number five, Haaland, 43, uh, 37 goals, 6 assists. Number four, Neymar, 45 goals, which is 25, sorry, 45 contributions, 25 goals, 20 assists. Three, uh, Lewandowski, 49, 38 goals, 11 assists. Number two, a real surprise, this one for me, Nkuku. 54 contributions, 37 goals, 17 assists. Can I guess number one, please? Please do. Is it Mbappe? It is, oh. with 62, 44 goals, 18 assists. Because he's had an absolutely unbelievable... And Cuckoo, up that high, above some of the... Above Haaland, above, you know, uh, Neymar. I mean, that... Uh, that, that Does he sound really... for Chelsea yet? He's on off. They, 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 I've read that he has, but it's not for the summer, summer and yeah. things like that. But he, he's, I mean, that that was he, he was in, that I was really shocked. I mean, I reckon the rest of the top ten, most of them, we probably could have guessed given a bit of time. He at number two, wouldn't have guessed that in a month of Sundays. Yeah, and Mbappe, I think he's quite clearly number one. I would have thought Haaland had been a little bit higher. But I suppose because it's goal contributions, so it's yes. I mean, he's very much like I'm going to score. He's a poacher. Look at look at the goal. Yeah. Uh, the game yesterday was not interested at all in it. Hardly got any chances. But one sliding chance. Where, as you say, goal contributions. Uh, Mbappe's clearly more rounded, isn't he? Oh shit! Who my fantasy captain as well? So. Yeah, and mine. Oh, I don't really shit. change him from no, being captain because you know that he's, if yeah, you do, he's going to score an hat trick next week. But um, yeah, that was it for football for me. I just thought that, given the end of the calendar year, some of those stats were uh, were surprising with Inkuku. You should have done it on last episode. That'd have been a perfect way to end the calendar year. Quite yeah. literally ending the calendar year. Should have really should have. Ah. Um, there isn't that much about boxing anyway. It's just that the main bigger fight this weekend is um, Davis and Hector Garcia, which found a bit weird, like I said to you, that he seems to be fighting two fighters called Garcia in a row. I'd be interested to see if there was any other stats that say that you fought two surnames. As one, you know, one of these I mean, monotonous, most boring probably stats about as common as like Smith or Muhammad or something like that that's pretty... Uh, yeah, but I still don't think... It's pretty common, I would have thought, in the Hispanic community, I would guess. But I don't recall anyone fighting anyone called Smith, like after fighting someone called Smith. So, I mean, it's still, I think, extremely rare. I also think it's a bit of a weird fight to take, is this, because he is the regular champ, WBA regular champ is Hector Garcia, and he's not a pushover. He's still, so he's apparently been called a tune-up fight, which is a very strange one because um, 
Ryan Garcia isn't taking any tune-up fights at all. He's saying, you know what, why would I? I'll just wait until we fight that. I'll just keep in my camp. If anything significant happens to Tank in this, um, which is, is of course, uh, Davis, he might not be able to take that fight then. It's the danger with any tune-up fight. I mean, it's the danger, you could argue, the Fury Chisora. That was the tune-up, if you want to call it that, for uh, Usyk. Uh, you know, what happens if the... But the the difference know... there, and so it's cut off, but the difference there is that this is a fight that has already been organised. So the, the difference is Usyk and um, Fury hadn't actually been sorted as of yet, and it's sort of still up in the air. Fair it's point. got to happen, but it, it's still up in the air in terms so of So when is... Tank versus the other Garcia in the calendar for? Specifically, I think it's March. Um, okay. I'm pretty sure from what I, I mean, recall. I'm, I'm no, I, I like that approach April, for me. Sorry, I, I, I like that approach from a young boxer in terms of, I'm going to get in camp, I'm going to take a fight, I'm just going to stay in camp and power through. That shows a level of dedication to me, to his to his craft. I, I, I've got no problem with that. Uh, particularly when you're, you're taking on someone of a high calibre as well. so It's going to be a um, big fight, is that as well? So if they do get to April, as I say, it's one of these where I'm not the biggest fan of Tank. Obviously, there's loads of issues where he's been in, in jail, um, apparently beating up a woman, ironically, obviously, we were talking about with... Um, Donna Dana. Dana, yeah, earlier on. But and that were just after Christmas as well. I don't know why... But anyway, so he's, he's recently. Mind you, he learnt from the best Mayweather, who's uh, his own go. allegations of, uh, of of that, didn't he? Uh, I believe they're all ridiculous when it comes to these types of things. Famous people just seem to get away with, or seem to think that they can get away with anything. Could you argue though the fact that it's already in the diary takes away the danger? In that, a lot of times with a tune-up fight, it's if you lose, you might not get the next fight. If he's already got it in the calendar, then. Literally, if he loses, he just loses and he goes on to the other no, Garcia. because it's to do with injuries. So if this, this um, Hector Garcia has said, I'm coming for a war, I'm going to come and I'm going to try and hurt you. Obviously, every fight says that. But if he comes and breaks his jaw, he's not going to be able to fight in April. He's going to need some time out. So Again, f- totally fair point. Um, if you... Admirable confidence yeah, in his own abilities to take the fight. I but suppose. he does seem like that sort of, uh, the sort of person, does um, Davis. He, he does seem like... I'm going to take on the world and I'm going to beat the world or beat women, whatever he fancies doing that weekend. Um, if you are wanting to watch that, that is 4am on Sunday. Cause it's, uh, you know, in I, mean, I Washington. love my boxing, but I don't, I've got to be honest, that doesn't do it for me to get up for that one. That'll be a watch it on a replay exactly uh, that. up on Sunday. Yeah, I'll definitely a, watch it Sunday for sure. I'm going to say there'll be multiple streams or recordings of it shortly after anyway. So yeah, I think I'll probably do the same, but um yeah, I think that's it for, for the first one of 2023. Only other bit that I had, just because I'm going to say, literally, I'm going to read out what I've got on my notes here. Dylan Dennis pulls out a fight against uh, KSI. Who cares? I don't think it needs... The funniest thing is, I'm looking at your iPad, and you're not reading any notes. So what you're actually thinking... No, no, don't pull it back up now. What you're actually thinking is, I need to make sure I mention I KSI. I memorise my notes due to the <laughs> diligence of my approach to this podcast and my, uh, my, my skill levels Once and how again, seriously I take it. You've spent... A podcast talking about Jake Paul and KSI. You must have done that about seven times now. It's you, you sucker me in with these fucking YouTube cunts. I, I we're ending the episode time. then. You had to make sure that you mentioned him at end. Uh, make sure you tag him in, obviously, and, and get a retweet from him once we publish the episode. But yeah, as I say, the uh, first one for 2023. Obviously, a lot more to come this year. And uh, we'll speak to you next week. Mm-hmm.